This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Well, my friends, we're back again with another daily edition of Indictment Watch. So yesterday, we discussed Donald Trump's imminent surrender to authorities in Georgia, and we spent some time discussing with you the enormity of this trial and what it will take to bring about a RICO conviction. So today, we're going to spend some more time discussing Mark the Moron Meadows and what his role will be in both the federal trial, where he's likely a material witness for the prosecution, and in the Georgia case, where he has been indicted along with 18 others. So the indictment names Meadows as part of a criminal enterprise that sought to illegally change the outcome of the election in favor of the former president, who himself is also facing new charges. Under Georgia's RICO or the racketeering law, Meadows is accused of committing or participating in several acts as part of that conspiracy. Now, Mark Meadows has filed to move his case from state to federal court. I mean, get a load of this crap. Arguing that nothing he did was criminal and that the actions he took that are now under scrutiny occurred while he was working at the federal level. In the same court filing, his lawyers also moved to dismiss the case entirely. I have no idea what this guy is thinking. But long before the Georgia indictment, Trump's former top aide, well, he was the key in the House January 6th committee's investigation into the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Now, testimony from witnesses, including his assistant, Cassidy Hutchinson, and former Vice President Mike Pence's Chief of Staff, Mark Short, well, they went ahead and they revealed that Meadows was aware that Pence did not, let me say it again, he was aware that Pence did not have the power to delay or to change certification of the results, as Trump said that he did. And Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis alleges that Meadows also played a major role in her state by working with others to overturn Biden's win in the state of Georgia. And I quote, Trump and the other defendants charged in this indictment refused to accept that Trump lost and they knowingly and willfully joined a conspiracy to unlawfully change the outcome of the election in favor of Trump. And that's read in the indictment from Fulton County DA, Fonnie Willis. And in that indictment, Meadows himself is charged on two counts. The first count is violation of the Georgia RICO Act. And the second is solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer. Now, those racketeering charges and the lengths to which Trump, Meadows, and the other alleged co-conspirators went to to keep Trump in power, well, they all compromised the majority of the 98-page indictment. And Fannie Willis alleges that the co-conspirators routinely lied about the results of the election publicly, that they also solicited an alternate slate of electors to vote for Trump in the Electoral College, and they harassed election workers, though Meadows himself is not directly implicated in those acts. So we have to then take Meadows and compare him to Rudy Colludi Giuliani, as well as the legal advisor, John Eastman. 
Meadows is mentioned fewer times and often cited as playing a supporting role, like seeking out phone numbers or joining a call, including the now infamous Raffensperger call, in which Trump asked the Georgia Secretary of State to find him 11,788 votes, enough for him to win the state of Georgia. Now, the indictment cites this when charging both with encouraging a public officer to violate their oath. And as we know right now, Rudy Colludi drunken Giuliani is on a flight heading en route to Fulton County to surrender. So I often have said over the course of the last five years, Rudy, wake the fuck up. You don't know Donald like I do. And I promise you, I promise you that he will throw you under the bus as quickly as he did to me. Well, of course, Rudy didn't listen And once again, where is he right now? Broke and en route to Fulton County to surrender based upon these charges. You think maybe you should have listened? So Meadows is also accused of organizing other phone calls for Trump, texting a Georgia official about whether financial assistance from the Trump campaign would speed up the vote verification process and traveling to the state in an attempt to oversee an election audit that was not open to the public, all of which furthered the conspiracy, according to Fonnie Willis. He is not directly charged with the effort to recruit an alternate slate of electors, but you know what? He could get dragged in based upon the RICO charge. Now, Meadows was closely aligned with Trump when he represented North Carolina's 11th congressional district. In early of 2020, just before COVID-19 was declared a global pandemic, Trump replaced Mick Mulvaney, who at that time was his acting chief of staff for more than a year, with Mark Meadows. And he fiercely defended Trump, both before joining the administration and while serving as chief of staff and was a central figure in the January 6th hearings. Now, I want to go back to something that I just said. He, meaning Mark Meadows, fiercely defended Trump. And that's exactly how he ended up getting the spot. The same way that Jim Jordan, the same way that Josh Hawley, the same way that Matt Gates and Marjorie Toilet Green and Lynn um and uh Lauren Bobert and the rest of them, they all fiercely defend Trump, not because they know it's right. In fact, they know that it's wrong, but they do it in order to attract his attention because they want something. In this specific case, Mark Meadows wanted to be chief of staff. And you know what? Voila, he got it. But you know what else he got? Yeah, a fucking indictment. In a June 2022 public hearing, Cassidy Hutchinson testified under oath that when Mark Meadows was alerted to the violence at the Capitol... Well, guess what he did? The same thing that Donald did. He took no action. She said that she overheard a conversation between Mark Meadows and White House lawyer Pat Cipollone, who told Meadows that he felt that they needed to do something because the mob was calling for Pence to be hanged. And Hutchinson said that she heard Meadows say something like, 
You heard it, Pat. He thinks Mike, meaning Pence, deserves it. Of course, he probably meant me too. And Hutchinson added that Meadows said Trump didn't believe the rioters were doing anything wrong. Let's stop for a quick second and recognize that tonight is the big debate. The debate that's going to have eight other Republican candidates on the dais all vying for what? For position number two? Look, let me be very clear. There is absolutely no fucking chance that any of these eight, not the sanctimonious, not the snot nose, not any of them, not Chris Christie, not Asa Hutchinson, none of them, Nikki Haley, zero have a chance of taking Donald Trump out of the position, despite the fact that each and every one of them, along with other Republicans in Congress, just wish that Trump would what? Go away. Wish that he would be thrown in jail, that he would drop dead of a fucking heart attack. That's what they're all wishing for. In that way, a new slate of Republicans can actually attract some attention from this MAGA base that Donald Trump is controlling. But it's just not going to happen. And I bring this up. Why? Because again, Cassidy Hutchinson heard Meadows say that he thought Mike Pence deserved to be hanged and that he didn't believe the rioters were doing anything wrong because he thinks that he actually won the election. Actually, let me, retail, let me take that back. He knows he didn't win it. He knows for a fact that he lost, but he didn't care. Because to him, the rules don't mean anything. All that he cares about is not who you voted for. All that counts is that who's declared the winner. And he thought it should be him. Now, while the former president has repeatedly ranted about witch hunts and the weaponization of the Justice Department, well, Mark Meadows has done what he's so good at. He shut the fuck up and stayed silent. He stayed off cable news and refused to talk to his former boss, which, as we know, really makes Trump insane. And while the former president lashes out at investigators at every turn, calling them sick and a whole lot worse, Meadows is a sphinx-like presence, having seemingly disappeared. Because the reality is that he is working with investigators and he's walking a legal and political tightrope where he can say just enough to stay out of prison, but not so much that he's destroyed politically. Now that's what he thinks. I'm not sure that that's true because once he gets up onto that stand and once he says one thing, and I really mean this, once he says one thing that Donald Trump decides that Donald Trump decides that he should not have said that is damaging to him, all of a sudden Meadows becomes an enemy and an enemy for life. And by becoming an enemy of Donald Trump's, you become an enemy of the MAGA base. And then you also become an enemy of these fake congressional leaders who are pretending to be on Donald's side simply so that they could remain in power and that they could then use Trump's MAGA base in order to raise money. I mean, this is really circular, but worse than being circular, it's fucking sick. Now, all of this has made Meadows a figure of intense speculation and anxiety with Team Trump. 
The feverish conjecturing among Trump's allies was reignited this weekend when ABC News revealed some of the first details of what Mark Meadows told federal prosecutors. And ABC reported that Mark Meadows, like other senior Trump officials, including former Vice President Mike Pence, had undercut the former president's claim that he had a standing order to automatically declassify any documents that were taken out of the Oval Office. And those included ones that ended up at his private club in Florida, Marilardo, and his New Jersey golf course in Bedminster. Now, according to the New York Times, and I quote, Meadows' discussions with investigators did not surprise some of the Trump team. For months, Mr. Trump, his advisors, and his allies have been deeply suspicious of Mr. Meadows. But having recently received discovery material from Mr. Smith's team, evidence the prosecutors gathered during the inquiry, the Trump team now has visibility into what Mr. Meadows told investigators, according to people familiar with the matter. And Meadows' plan is to be quietly cooperative with prosecutors without agreeing to a formal deal, and that's hardly a novel strategy. It is what many subjects of investigations do when they are facing exposure to serious criminal charges. But in this specific case, the stakes are especially high, not just for Mark Meadows, but also for Donald J. Trump. The strategy began playing out almost two years ago when Meadows agreed to provide some documents to the House committee investigating the January 6th attack, but fought its attempt to take his deposition. Now, the Georgia indictment lays much blame squarely on Mark Meadows. It portrays him as acting as a willing accomplice in the effort to overturn the 2020 election, meeting with state-level officials, soliciting phone numbers for Trump, and ordering up memos for strategies to keep him in power. Meadows' lawyers argue that their client should be immune from prosecution entirely as the former chief of staff and get a load of this shit was just doing his job. I mean, seriously, as a lawyer, can you really say something that stupid with a straight face? And clearly the answer is yes. Now, I didn't know that shredding the Constitution and overturning an election was part of anybody's federal official work portfolio. In fact, we all know that it's not. It's a fucking lie. Something that that's all that they do. And again, I quote, the state's prosecution of Mr. Meadows threatens the important federal interest in providing the President of the United States with close, confidential advice and assistance, firmly entrenched in federal law for nearly 100 years, the attorneys Joseph Englert, George Terwilliger, John Moran, and Michael Francisco argued. We will see how that plays out over time. I'm pretty sure it's going to be denied. And more interesting, though, is how Meadows has likely thrown Trump under the bus, as revealed by ABC News.
Now, let me be very clear here. Meadows is playing a very dangerous game, trying to play both sides against the middle. It doesn't work. And for God's sakes, the fact that he doesn't know it and the fact that he was chief of staff and the fact that he's now an integral part of this investigation is head-scratching because it really shows that Mark, the moron Meadows, which again is why I call him the moron, because it's fucking stupid. You cannot claim cannot claim that the work that you were doing for Donald at that time had anything to do with what you're supposed to be doing as chief of staff. It's no different than if Donald told you to go to Columbia, bring back 100 keys of coke, and then saying, well, I was doing it in my legal capacity on behalf of the president of the United States. It doesn't work that way. Okay, now, some additional questions that, again, I've been receiving from you, the, you know, our faithful mayor, Copa followers. And I want to start with the first one. What do you make of Mark Meadows, Michael's strategy of trying to play both sides? Will he be able to provide just enough information to stay out of prison but avoid damaging his career? So let me be very clear. As somebody who has gone through the process, his career is over. Let me be very clear about that. He is not Donald Trump. He does not have the ability to capture people's, not just their attention, but somehow their hearts, where they are willing to go to jail, as the January 6th insurrectionists have, on behalf of Donald. They will not do that for Mark Meadows. So when it comes to his career being damaged, it's worse than damaged. It's destroyed. And Mark Meadows will not be able to play both sides. First and foremost, he's not clever enough. He's just not. Mark the moron Meadows will never be able to pull the wool over Jack Smith and prosecutors' eyes. He will never be able to pull the wool over Fannie Willis's eyes. It's just not going to happen. Why? Because there is testimony, there are documents, there are emails, there's so much information that is being relied upon by the investigators, by the prosecutors, that no matter what he says, if it is not spot on accurate with the information that they currently have, he will be held in contempt, which is a thousand and one violation of lying to law enforcement, lying under um, un, uh, to federal authorities. So there is no way in the world that he is going to be able to play both sides. It just doesn't work that way. The system is not designed to allow somebody to do that. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. And Mark Meadows, as my grandpa used to say when things went really bad, Mark Meadows is of Gachatetzuris. And that means he's got some real troubles. And the second question that was asked of me is, Michael, what does it mean to be thought of as a rat within the Trump orbit? Well, as many of you know, it's a word that Donald Trump used against me on both Twitter, which now X, as well as on his untrue social platform. It's a word that Republicans continued to echo, to regurgitate because of the negative connotation. I'm not sure anybody likes the thought of the word rat. Now, that's not accurate. It's not accurate as it related to me. And in fact, it's not accurate even if it's relating to Mark Meadows. 
A rat is somebody who's actually turning on somebody in order to save themselves. Now you may say, yeah, but isn't that what Mark Meadows is doing? He's going to, he's going to give up information in order to turn on, you know, on Donald to protect himself. Michael, isn't that what you did? The answer is no, it is not what I did. What I did is I cooperated. There is a big difference between being a rat, and generally you look, you look and you think of the term rat as something that is um, part of organized crime. When you, what you do is you're committing some type of a murder or something to that extent. I provided, as Mark Meadows did, under oath testimony. And the testimony that I provided was truthful and accurate and relevant to their investigation. And it's what I presume Mark Meadows is doing as well. Now, I want to be, I want to be very clear about something. I was never part of a 5K1 agreement. And a 5K1 agreement is when you become a government cooperating witness. I was never a 5K1 agreement holder. I refused. And it probably wasn't the best idea, but it was what I felt was right. Because what I did should not have been prosecuted at all. Now, I take responsibility for the Stormy Daniels payment. I, I even take responsibility for the misrepresentation, the lie that I stated to Congress, which was the number of times that I said that I spoke to Donald in my opening statement, where I said I only spoke to him three times, when the true answer was I spoke to him ten times. Now, that was also done in concert with Donald, Jay Sekulow, Abby Lowell, uh, Ty Cobb, you know, with Ivanka and Jared and Alan Garten. It was involving a lot of people. And this was the message that they wanted, as de minimis as possible. And I truthfully didn't think, okay, big shit, three versus ten, okay, it's a, it's a lie, but is it a really significant lie? The answer, in my mind, was no. Turns out I was wrong. But here again, when they start talking about being a rat, I did not receive a single second of any minute of any hour of any day as a benefit. In fact, if you look at Lanny Davis's document where he went ahead and he talked about disproportionate sentencing in the Michael Cohen case. The number of years that I got as a first-time offender, a guy who has never not filed taxes, never not paid what his accountant told him to pay, never asked for an extension, never had overseas businesses, no cash, none of those fake invoices or nominees or businesses overseas, none of it. How is this a tax evasion? It is not. It is a tax omission. And so I didn't think that it was necessary for me to file a 5K1. Well, of course, that brought the ire of guys like Thomas McKay, Nick Roos, uh, Andrea Griswold, you know, uh, Jeffrey Berman and, Ro and Robert Kazami. You know, it brought the ire of them because, oh, God forbid that you stand up to the, you know, sovereign district of New York. Well, fuck them. But I want to go back to this. What it means to be thought of as a rat, it puts you in harm's way. It is what Trump does. It is designed to put fear in your mind, to put fear in your heart, to put fear in the mind of your family and your friends, because as we all know, it's okay to kill a rat. It's okay to harm a rat. Nobody gives a shit. That's why Donald Trump 
does what he does. That's why he uses the words that he uses. None of this is unintentional. It is intentional and it is designed to stow chaos, fear, um, apprehension, you name it. So it is not a good thing when Donald does this. And fortunately, the judge has already warned Donald that this shit should not happen, that he may not speak to these other co-defendants unless that it's in the presence or it's done by his counsel, hoping that his counsel, clearly it may not be true, but hoping that his counsel stays and you know, more subject to the law than the ones that are currently now being indicted. And so the third question that's asked of me is, Michael, as somebody who turned on Donald Trump, Describe the pressure, the harassment, and the fear that is being piled upon Mark Meadows. You know, I'm no fan of Mark Meadows. I make that very clear in this podcast. I make it clear on television. I make it clear in news clippings. I am absolutely no fan of Mark Meadows. But I will turn around and say I don't envy him for what he is now going through and what he will go through over the course of the next year plus. And I'm not even talking about the potential incarceration, which I believe that he will get unless he has turned state's evidence. But I'm talking about the pressure, the harassment, and the fear that Donald Trump and his acolytes are placing on him. So I want to talk to you for a quick second about the pressure. The pressure comes in multiple ways. Pressure comes from things that are now going to happen to him. For example, his banks start pulling away from him. His credit cards start getting shut off. The, now that you have no bank account, on top of that, you're not able to receive income, right? Simply because who's going to hire you while you're being indicted? Where is the income coming from? Now you get the financial pressure as the lawyer who's representing you tells you, hey, I need you to put a million dollars in my IOLA account, my interest on a lawyer's account, over if you want me to represent you. So you start now with the financial pressure, the pressure from the community uh, and your entire life. It is not easy when every single day you're getting another letter. Hey, your 401k needs to be turned in because, you know, this bank won't do business with you. They won't hold your bonds. They won't hold your stocks. Then it comes to something which is a little bit more fear-oriented, and that's the harassment. You start to get harassed by people, not only who you've worked with for many, many years, who are, of course, loyal to Donald, but you get it from these these sycophants, these acolytes, these MAGA morons who will start calling you at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and then 4 in the morning and then 5 in the morning and leaving messages not just on your cell phone and your home and so on, but they start sending letters and shit to your home. They start sending it to your office or any other location that they could end up finding. And with today, with doxing, which is, of course, you know, releasing information, uh, personal information on a public figure... Many people know exactly where the guy is, and they will continue to harass him. Why? Well, because that's what they think that their Fuhrer wants. And why do they think that? Because Donald Trump says shit in code, something I've been talking about going back to my first book, Disloyal. 
Now, the last part is the fear. Mark Meadows needs to be fearful. He absolutely does because we have seen over the course of the last few weeks that many of these MAGA morons are unhinged. And in the name of Donald, they're willing to do things that no normal human being would do. And so he will now be looking over his shoulder. You can't go to a restaurant with family or with friends for fear that somebody is going to come over to you, engage you, whether it's going to be um, in violence or in just a verbal altercation. You have this fear every time that you are out, every time that you are walking, every time that you are sitting someplace that's public, that something is going to happen. And that's why I said at the beginning of answering this question, I don't, you know, I don't envy the position that he's in. What I do, what I am sort of um, happy about is that he will now know exactly what happened to me, exactly the pressure, the harassment, the fear that I had to and have to go through on a daily basis. And that's the only way that these people will learn when they get kicked in the fucking nutsack with a steel pair of boots. And then Mark Meadows will now ensure that this happens to the next guy and that the next guy gets it. And then the next guy, whether it'll be Rudy Kaludi, whether it'll be Cheesebro, whether it'll be, you know, anyone, um, what's her name? Uh, uh, the Kraken Powell, Sydney the Kraken Powell. It makes no difference as long as you know that they are going to feel the same pressure, harassment, and fear that you are being, um, you know, that you have to feel and that you have to contend with on a daily basis. So the next question they asked me is what kind of pressure is he under from Jack Smith? He, they also ask, what are they expecting him to give up? Well, look, let me start with the latter part of that question. What are they expecting him to give up? Well, the answer is the truth. Let me be very clear about Jack Smith. Jack Smith is a beast. Jack Smith is nobody to be fooled with. He's nobody to be toyed with. This investigation, which moved at an expeditious pace, has like, what, 10 million documents? Jack Smith knows them all. And each and every part that has anything to do with Mark Meadows is already highlighted in yellow. It has its own separate three-ring book, and they already know the information that they believe Mark Meadows has and possibly knows more about as it relates to Donald Trump and the various different crimes and charges that he's being alleged to have committed. So what they're expecting him to give up is the truth and any additional documents that they may not have or any other individuals that may have been in the room or any other conversations that were had with anybody else, truth be told, they probably already know it. And if they don't know each and every single person, rest assured, they know more than enough in order to get the conviction. So to go to the first part of the question, what kind of pressure is he under from Jack Smith? It's kind of like having your head in a vice and every single day, every day that you get closer to your trial, it's another crank of that vice and his head is now being squeezed like, like a sardine in a can, 
Trust me, the pressure that he is under as a direct result of Jack Smith's investigation and the indictment and this upcoming trial is enormous. And I promise you, I promise you, Mark Meadows will not be able to succumb to the pressure. He knows that Donald Trump is not there to protect him. He also knows that Donald Trump is not in a position to protect him. He is an island. He is a man all alone, something I know very well. He is a man all alone with no friends and nobody to help him. Unless he helps himself, he's going to spend a significant amount of his time in prison. So the next question that they asked me is Meadows is desperately trying to move the trial to the federal jurisdiction. Why does Mark Meadows think that this is better for him? Well, I think there's many different reasons. One, I, I think the rules of uh, federal procedure, um, well, in some cases, for example, the Speedy Trial Act, that doesn't help him because they could bring that case to trial in the 90 days. Um, unfortunately for him, it doesn't make a difference what he wants. It's not going to happen. I presume that he thinks that if, in fact, there's a federal jurisdictional case, then uh, if, a, if Donald happens to win the election, that there's a possibility that Donald could pardon him uh, from this. I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe that Donald is going to win. I don't believe that even if Donald did win, based upon the fact that Mark Meadows has already provided information that is putting additional pressure and fear into Donald Trump, that he will not pardon Mark Meadows if, in fact, that he became president of the United States. I think he would let him sweat it out and be, be happy that he is in the situation that he's in. How many times do I have to tell these idiots? Donald Trump cares for no one or anything other than himself. And as soon as folks like Meadows and Giuliani and Cheesebro and the rest of these idiots, the rest of the 18 dopes that are there, until they start to listen to what I'm saying, until they actually go out and buy my damn book called Revenge, how Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics, they will not fully be able to comprehend exactly the playbook that Donald is using. It's in there for them to understand where their future lies because Donald is a one-trick pony. What he did before, he realized that he was able to get away with it, and so he will do exactly the same thing to them that he did to me, and he will do it even faster. And so for the last question, Michael, what do you make of the letter sent by Mark Meadows' attorney attempting to keep him from being arrested with the other defendants? He is arguing that he should get an extension to self-surrender because he's better and more important than most criminal defendants. Now Fulton County has vowed to treat everyone the same. Look, I again, I don't know what is going on in Mark Meadows' head. I don't know what his lawyers are telling him. I don't know why they would send something as stupid, as infuriating as this letter had to be to the judge when the judge received it. First, let me be very clear. It's not going to happen, all right? He is not going to not be arrested along with the other defendants. 
The fact that he argues that he should get an extension to self-surrender, why? Why? He has his lawyers. He has the ability to be represented before the court. There is no reason why he should be given an extension unless there are extenuating circumstances. His extenuating circumstance belief is because he's better and more important than the others. Well, that's also not true. He is an indicted defendant who needs to appear, who needs to state a plea of either innocence or guilt. If he, which we expect he will do, says not guilty, he will be bonded out just like every other defendant that is being indicted by this matter. And Fulton County DA Fannie Willis has stated, and stated so emphatically, that she will treat everyone the same. Now, we know that tomorrow, the 24th of August, Donald Trump is expected around 7.30 a.m. to appear at this Fulton County jail, where he himself will self-surrender, be fingerprinted. I do believe that they are going to mugshot him because they want to treat each and every one of the defendants the same. And you've already seen a whole slew of the mugshots, um, you know, floating around the internet and on television. So I believe that they will mugshot Donald. Now, I, again, like so many others, believe that it's the right thing to do. Everyone should be treated the same, despite the fact it's not necessary. It's really not in Donald's case because he is one of the most recognizable people on the planet, and that's the whole purpose of having a mugshot. So if, in fact, he does not appear at the trial or at any uh, court-ordered uh, requirement that they have a photo of him within which to send out to law enforcement to go find him and pick him up. Obviously, we'll all agree that that's not necessary, but if her vow is to treat everyone exactly the same, in order to stand true to that, Donald should be mugshotted as well. Now, after, after that, there's really not much more that's going to go on He's going to get back into his caravan of vehicles escorted by police. He's going to then, you know, go to his 757 fly where he's going to have immediate clearance for takeoff, land back in whether it's going back to Mar-a-Lardo in Florida, Palm Beach, or he's going to go to Bedminster, wherever the hell he's going to go. He'll end up with, again, police escort. They'll shut the roads down and get him to wherever he needs to go so that he can either play another round of golf, have lunch, or you know, meet up with a whole bunch of donors in order to raise more money off of this fourth indictment. I think the whole thing is absolute insanity. The fact that we are treating him like some sort of a celebrity, a king, some sort of a rock star where he's given all of this latitude, more so than any other defendant. Me personally, let him wait with all the other planes in line. Let him wait on, in traffic on his way to the courthouse. And if there's somebody in front of him that's being um, you know, fingerprinted or mugshotted and so on, good. Let him wait like everybody else does. He still has his Secret Service protection, so you could rest assured nothing's going to happen. 
I will tell you, though, my friends, the one thing that I am waiting to see if they do, one of the things they do is they take your weight uh, at the time of booking. Now, the under over on 300 plus, meaning 300 pounds plus, is 75% to 25% say that he tops over 300. That's something that he obviously does not want to be released because he is a narcissistic sociopath. And what he would prefer you to think is that he's 205 to 10 with 3%, 4% body fat, just as he is in these uh, you know, uh, NFT uh, trading cards that they put out and they made money on. So that's something that I am certain that he does not want released. He'll probably also ask them to take multiple mug shots. So, because this is really the ego talking, you know, so that he could pick and choose which one he thinks is the best, right? Um, chances are he'll smile into the camera. He'll look dead into the camera the way he does with all of his photos. You know, there are plenty of really shitty photos of Donald with like three chins hanging down to his, to, you know, to his chest and then from his chest to his belly button, his belly button down to his knees. I mean, there are plenty of those photos. So if anybody's waiting to see a Donald Trump shitty mugshot, who needs it, right? What I am, again, curious is going to be the weight and the actual height. So my friends, once again, thank you for listening. Indictment Watch. We're going to do this until the guy is ultimately placed behind bars. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. 